I moved here to Dallas, I wanted to live in this part. I wanted to work in this part of Dallas and God had other ideas for me. Um, so I love the eclecticness of it. I love kind of the hodgepodge, the variety that is down in this area. And time after time, God would put me back in a place where most people looked the same, they drove the same car, or they went to the same places. And I was like, God, that's not where I want to be. I want to be here. I want to be on the outskirts of the city. And he would again and again take me into the middle of the city. And he would place me there, whether I was working as a barista at Starbucks in grad school or whether I was at a church. He still had me in this one area I never wanted to go to. But what I found was that there was a people there ready to welcome me. It didn't matter that I thought they looked a certain way or they all looked the same, but that they were ready to welcome me. They were ready to have me come into their homes, into their church, and to be able to use the gifts that God had called me to use. And when I think about welcome and I think about hospitality, we often think it's the perfect place, right? It's the lighting, it's the windows, which that does add to it, and y'all have a great space here. But really, hospitality is about people. It's about people and whether we are welcome by people and whether people will welcome us to be able to serve and to use the gifts that God has given us. And we're also called to be people of welcome as well, to welcome others and to be able to help them discern, see how God has created them, and then for them to be able to serve. So as we look at the scripture passage today, I want to think about this idea of welcome and hospitality. Because sometimes welcome and hospitality don't always look like what we think it's going to look like. And sometimes we ask the question, why? Why do we find ourselves in a certain place? Why do we find ourselves in a certain job? And my hope is, is as we look through the scripture that it really isn't about why, but it's about who. Who are the people there? And who do I get to become as a result of being with this people? And we'll see how Jesus experiences the power of welcome and hospitality firsthand. And actually how he experiences the rejection and the lack of welcome and hospitality and how that impacts him. But from that place of Jesus' own rejection, we'll see how he gives us instruction. And from this, we see what, what welcome has the power to do and what people have the power to do. So as Andrew mentioned, I'm a person who likes to ask questions. Uh, and so I'm going to ask questions of you throughout the sermon. Now, you're not going to have to answer out loud. There's not a correct answer. These are questions for you to reflect. And so as we go through the passage, I'm going to invite you through these questions to reflect. If you want to take notes on the back of your bulletin or if you want to pull out your phone to put notes in there, I really would love for you to engage the, the sermon through these reflection questions. So let me read the scripture for us and then I'll pray. So it's from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. 
What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Jesus, that you lived life and that you lived rejection, that you lived through hardship, and that you do not ask us to do anything that you have not yourself walked through. So thank you that we can learn from you. God, I pray that you would bring up whatever it is inside our minds and hearts that you need to this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each person and that they would receive whatever you have for them. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Spirit. Amen. So I want to take these first six verses to start, and then we'll move on to the next seven verses. So Jesus is heading to his hometown. It's a place where people know him, know his family history. They know who he is. They grew up with Jesus. And he comes in and he begins teaching, and people are amazed at his teaching. Then the questions begin. Where did Jesus get this information and knowledge? What are these gifts that have been given to him? What are these miracles that he is doing? You know, these first questions are really curiosity questions. They're kind of just asking, hey, where did he get his information? Where did he get this power? Where? They're just curiosity questions. And so giving the people the benefit of the doubt, we're not going to assume that they're judging him. We're just going to say, oh, what's going on? What, where did Jesus get these things? We're getting reacquainted with Jesus, almost like a reunion of some sorts. So they're questioning his abilities and gifts, but then their questions shift. Here are the next set of questions. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't he from this line of family? Isn't this his mom? And by the way, they don't mention his dad. Isn't his family with us? Aren't they just like us? And so with that second set of questions, it's not about his abilities and gifts, but they start attacking his character and his identity. They have moved from abilities and actions to character and identity. They move from curious questions to a critique of his character. And that movement is actually a movement from hospitality to hostility and from receiving Jesus to rejecting him. And then here is the result of their lack of welcome. It says in the scripture, 
he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And then he moves on to another village. That verse is one of the saddest verses to me in this story. That their lack of faith, that their lack of hospitality, that their lack of welcome actually stopped Jesus from being able to do miracles and heal people. And think about that. That a group of people, humans, would be able to stop the God of the universe from healing and from using his gifts and providing miracles and taking care of people. That kind of is strange to think that we actually have that much power to be able to do that. Yet, the people had that much power, their lack of hospitality and their lack of welcome. Because welcome and using our gifts or having somebody offer what they have, they go hand in hand. That welcome goes hand in hand with how we can serve and what we can give of ourselves. Their lack of welcome had the power to cut Jesus' miracles and good work short. Have you ever been in a situation where you've gotten reacquainted with a person that you knew, and you started out of curiosity starting to get to know them again? You're like, oh, you went to this school, or oh, now you have this job, or oh, this is your family, and you're just curiously getting to know them. And then at some point it pivots to going, wait, why do you have that job? Wait, why did you get to live in that house? Wait, why did you? And you start kind of either demoting them or demoting yourself in order to feel better about yourself. We all do this. We do it because we have insecurities, we have fears, and that we are threatened. And so it's not hard to imagine that we might be like the people with Jesus that might start doing that to him. Some of you have actually been on the receiving end of this where you have walked in and people have gotten reacquainted with you, and then they started ignoring you. They started questioning you, and they started cutting you down. Jealous, jealousy, envy, control, they have a huge role in welcome. They have a huge role in how we make people feel, and they have a huge role in impacting what somebody can offer. The, our welcome impacts the gifts that we can receive. And another's welcome impacts the gifts that we can offer. Now I want to go to the next section and see what Jesus then instructs the people to do. You would think because Jesus is rejected, he would set up the people with protections. Like you would think, okay, you're about to be rejected. You don't know where you're going to be accepted. So take extra clothes, take extra food, know where you're going to stay. You would think that Jesus would tell them, okay, prepare and provide all, the, provide all these things for yourself. But he does the exact opposite. He actually tells them to go out in utter dependence. He tells them to go out in utter dependence. So let's look more closely, verses 7 through 13. First of all, he sends them together. No solo work here. You get to go with another person. And then he gives them gifts. They receive the gifts of authority and healing that were Jesus' gifts. Then he tells them not to take anything extra. He tells them to be dependent on the hospitality of others. And then he tells them to stay where you are 
stay where you are welcome until it is time to leave. Stay there. Be content with what they are providing for you. And then he says, leave any place that does not welcome you. He gives him these clear instructions, but they re- it requires vulnerability and it requires dependence. But it was so that they would be protected and it would be clear where they were welcome and where they weren't. So I want to pause for a moment and ask you to reflect. Here's the first question that I have for you. Is there a way that Jesus is instructing you to be dependent on the welcome of another person or a group of people? Is there a way Jesus is instructing you to be dependent on the welcome of another person or group of people? And I'm actually going to pause and not speak for a little bit and let you reflect on that. Here's the next question I have for you. What is keeping you from stepping into a place of vulnerability? What is keeping you from stepping into a place of vulnerability? You know, even as Jesus gives us instructions to live dependent on the welcome of others, I wish he had given us more insight on what it was like to be rejected and to feel rejected. I wish we had known what it was like for him to go through the rejection, right? I, I, I wish he would walk us through that. Like, what was it like? How did he respond in the midst of it? Um, and instead, he gives us clear instruction. He says, I'm actually going to provide care for you by telling you how to discern a place that you're welcome and you're not on the front end. He's providing that discernment on the front end rather than in the middle or on the back end. And at the same time, Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be vulnerable and dependent. I mean, we're about to come in on the Christmas season where Jesus came to earth vulnerable and dependent. He knows what it is to depend on a place, and he didn't know if we were going to be hospitable to him or hostile to him. 
and he did that. So he goes before us in that. So I want to ask you another set of questions. I'm really glad that Andrew warned you that I asked questions, because here's some more for you. What are the places you're welcoming Jesus into your life? Your vulnerabilities, your pain, your fear? Where are the places that you are welcoming Jesus to come into your life? The next question is, where do you have current places of welcome? Who are the people that are welcoming you? Where are the places that you're being welcome? Can you think of the people that are allowing you to freely use your gifts? And then one more question. Might be a hard one. What places of unwelcome do you need to walk away from? What places of unwelcome do you need to walk away from? Years ago, there was a professor of mine who wanted to recommend me for a position at a church in another city. And I was familiar with the church, I was familiar with its leader, and I had no desire to go to this place. I knew uh, what would be received there, I knew what this leader was like, and I had no desire to go there. And my professor was like, well, I, I actually just want you to talk to the person who's helping the pastor fill this position. And I was like, I don't actually want to talk to that guy either. Like, I didn't want to, anything to do with it. And he was like, Laura, just, just talk to this guy. I want you to know this guy. And I was like, okay, reluctantly. I was like, I'll talk to this guy on the phone. So we get on the phone, and he's like telling me about this position. And I'm already telling him, like, I, I don't want to come. Like, I actually know what your leader's like, and I have no desire. I was like, okay, boundary, not going to this place of unwelcome. And so we kept on talking, and finally this person who is going to become my friend, he goes, I get it. I get why you wouldn't come. You wouldn't thrive here. I was like, yeah, I would not thrive here. And so I didn't end up going. I didn't even engage in it. But what came from that reluctant conversation was an incredible friendship. Now, this man and I, I don't know that we, we really have anything in common. I mean, our social situation is completely different. Our history is completely different. Um, the things he, all of it is different. There's nothing that we have in common except for we absolutely care for the hearts and souls of leaders and ministers, um, and we care for how they are doing in their spiritual health. And so we started to become friends, and we became friends over time, and now we are still friends to where he, he will come to places where I've provided hospitality. He'll come on the retreats that I provide. And I'll go to the places that he's inviting me to go to. And here's this friendship that I was not expecting out of this place that I knew wasn't going to welcome me. 
And it wasn't really about the place. It was about the person. So our hospitality and welcome really isn't about a place or a building. It's about our welcome. It's about people. And it's a hospitality and welcome that we can carry outside of these doors, wherever we go, as we welcome others. And we have the power to welcome them and the power to allow them to use their gifts and to be strengthened in their gifts. I think one of the things in the church and the Christian faith that we can best offer is welcome. And it is hospitality. And it is people being received and loved and being able to explore and be able to see who they are in Christ and see who they are. Because we're all called to put good and beauty into our world. And my hope is that we would all be able to provide this that we might take this into the world. And it all begins if we welcome Jesus. Because Jesus is the first host. He is the first welcomer. Even though he came to earth, God is the one who first invites us. And that's what the table represents. Is that God is saying, you are welcome. Here is our table. Here is this food for you. So before I transition to the table, I'd love to pray for us. God, thank you for your goodness and your welcome. For how you make space for us. For how you don't rush conversation with us. How you're willing to listen. How you're willing to explore how you're willing just to sit with us. God, in a place in a city where it doesn't seem like we have enough or that more is always to be attained, may we be satisfied in relationship with you. May we be content with the places of hospitality that you've given us. We thank you for your love that goes before. We thank you that you know what it's like to be rejected. We thank you that you are a God who can identify with us. And we thank you for this table and the goodness of it. We pray this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. The table is a universal place of welcome. It's where food is provided. It's where people are gathered. It's where nourishment is received. And so we get to receive nourishment together this morning. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat and do this in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup, which is the cup of the new covenant, which is his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink and do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, You proclaim the saving death of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who was, who is, and is coming again. This table is a place of welcome for those who would receive Jesus in his welcome. And so these are the gifts of God for you to come and to receive.